When I look back over my life, there are certain moments, certain situations that stand out. I remember a lot of things. There's a lot that I forget, but there are certain moments that really stand out, whether they are something that's been really emotional for me or something that had a significant impact on my life. One of those moments that stands out is the awards ceremony of my grade eight school year. Now, grade eight was a significant year for me because I, it was my first year in the public school. I had been in a Christian school, I had been home taught. This was my first year in the public school. So I was very aware of the people around me, of the uh, interactions that I saw, of what made people admirable and stand out and popular and uh, different social circles. All of those things uh, I, was, I was quite aware of. And so I noticed different people. One guy that I noticed that kind of stood out was another Jeff. His name was Jeff, it wasn't me. Uh, but this Jeff, he, was, uh, he just seemed confident, secure in who he was. He stood tall. And um, I, just, I just noticed that and wondered what that was. So this award ceremony at the end of grade eight, uh, I don't remember how long it was, how many awards were called. What I do remember is that whenever an athletic award was called, he was one of the people that was called to the front. It, it seemed like every athletic award Jeff was part of. On the other hand, I was called to the front for academics. Now, I was smart enough to know that academics was really important, but I made a decision there. I wanted to be known for being an athlete as well. I saw this confident guy and he was an athlete, so I wanted to be like that. Now, I didn't realize how important that decision was on my high school career, but the next year I went to high school and that was a scary transition. It's, it's exciting, you're up with the big kid people now, and, and, but it was also scary. But that decision informed what I chose to do in my extracurricular activities. I didn't choose activities because I thought they'd be really fun or because of who the people that I'd meet were going to be. Uh, I chose sports because of who I wanted to become. And I did enjoy those sports, and that wasn't the only factor, but it was a big factor in how I chose what I was going to do. And so I didn't realize it at the time, but I was thinking about and question, asking questions around the idea of identity. Who am I? What am I about? How am I seen? As I've worked with youth over the years, as I've watched and observed people and worked with families and adults, and, and as I've read psychology, uh, I've realized that Every person faces these questions at some point and often on an ongoing basis. Who am I? It may not be worded that way. It could be worded, who do I want to be? How do I show people that I'm like this and not like this? How do I become like that person but not like that person? These are all questions and thoughts around the idea of identity. And this isn't just an individual question that individuals ask. It's, it's a question that groups of people ask. Who are we together? And it's even questions that societies ask. 
A few years ago, I listened to a fictional book series that explored this idea of identity through the story that it was creating. The author, in the fictional world the author created, people had to choose between five, what the author called factions. And these factions uh, each represented a character trait. So there was kindness, there was honesty, there was bravery, there was selflessness and there was intelligence and these were all supposed to work together these different groups were supposed to work together and complement and cooperate with each other in order to make society uh, uh, balanced and healthy and so in in the in the book the series the the catch is that every person has to decide which of these five character traits they want to be a part of for the rest of their lives at the age of 16. So you can imagine the anxiety that a person faces as they're facing their 16th birthday and leading up to, how am I going to decide which of these character traits I want my life to be about and which uh, group of people do I want to join to make my life about with? And it's more than just an individual question. The story follows a girl and she's about to make the decision she's about to turn 16 and it talks about all the agony and emotion that she's going through as she tries to make this decision and what uh, and and it's not just for herself she has to think about the people around her she was raised in one faction and one of these character traits and taught the values and so to change to another one would be kind of a slap in the face to her family because of that's the way they raised her so as the story progresses, she chooses which one to be a part of, and these issues and questions of identity, both as an individual and as a group and as a society, they just unfold one after another. Who am I? Who are we? What are we about? What are we like? What are we supposed to be doing? Who are we meant to be? These are all important questions. They're questions about identity. And they're questions that all of us face at some point, individually and probably on an ongoing basis, but also uh, with a group of people. As a church, it's important for us to think about who we are together. Because who we are affects what we do. And what we do affects how people see God. What we do as Christians affects how people see who God is. So we're going to be working together through Ephesians for the next few months in a series that we've titled, Being Together. Who are we supposed to be? As individuals, and even more important as a church, as the body of Christ, who are we being together? Ephesians is all about identity. It's uh, about who we are as God's children individually, about who we are together as Christ's body. It's about uh, what we are like without Jesus and what we're about without him and then what we are like and what we're about with him. It's about how we understand God, how we understand each other, and how we uh, get along with each other and represent Jesus to the world. So we're going to be exploring this as we work through Ephesians. This morning, I want to dive into uh, chapter 1 and just the first couple verses. So um, the first verse 
starts off with the author identifying who he is and his authority to be writing these words. So it starts off, Ephesians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now apostle is a word that um, designates someone as chosen and called by God and sent by Jesus to teach with authority. And Paul designates himself, or calls himself an apostle, and he does so because of what happened in Acts chapter nine. If you read Acts chapter nine, it's the story of how Paul was headed one direction in opposition to Jesus, and God calls him, chooses him, and sends him in the other direction to teach about Jesus with authority. It's a fascinating chapter. I'd encourage you to read it. It's about how Paul is called to be an apostle. So that's in Acts chapter 9. But, God, but Paul is qualified as God's instrument to write these words because God chose him and gave him the authority to do so. But he goes on and he says more than that. He says, it's by the will of God. It wasn't something Paul chose. It wasn't something that he was appointed by a church. It was something that God specifically chose by his will. So Paul has the authority by God to be writing these words. So we referred back to Acts chapter 9 to get a little backstory on Paul. We can also refer back to Acts chapter 19 to get a little backstory on the people who are the recipients of this letter, the first recipients, and that's the people in Ephesus. If you read chapter 19 of Acts, this tells the story about how Paul began his ministry in Ephesus. And you have to read it, but it, there's, it's an amazing story that includes Paul touching handkerchiefs and aprons and then other people touching them and being healed, about demons being cast out. A big riot happens and more. Read Acts chapter 19 as well for a little backstory on the people in Ephesus. But the book of Ephesians is written years later, and the church has grown and changed since then. And it's likely that Paul wrote this letter to be read to different house churches that are throughout the city of Ephesus and beyond. So verse 1 continues to address these first recipients. And it says, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now at first glance, when you first read that, you see the holy people, the faithful, and you probably think, who are these privileged people? What, what made this exclusive group of people who they are? But the reality is something more beautiful than that. It's not special, privileged people because of who they are. And, and the phrase in Christ is what bridges that gap. What the phrase is, in Christ, Paul uses this phrase frequently throughout his letter. And this phrase um, is, is all about a person's identity because of Jesus. Uh, this phrase expresses the centrality and importance of Jesus in everything and what we have because of him. If you read ahead, we'll look at this a little more next week, verses 9 and 10 is kind of the main point for Paul and that is that everything in heaven and on earth are coming together under the kingship of Jesus. So in Christ is how people are made holy and how they can be faithful. So 
being in Christ is central. Christians are people who put their faith in Christ. And by putting their faith in Christ, they become identified with Jesus. And it's not just a decision we make or a prayer we pray that we look back on. It's a choice to identify with Jesus, to uh, become sharers in his life. And because of that, when we do that, when we accept this gift of being in Christ, then God makes us holy. And then, because we are holy, we can be faithful. Now, these first recipients, they were located physically in Ephesus, but their identity wasn't defined by where they were. Their identity was defined by who they are in Christ. As Christians, later readers of this Uh, later recipients of this, we are all located in a specific place. And that's important because God has put us in a specific place for a specific reason, to be the people he's called us to be and to do the work he's called us to do. But those things, wherever you are, if you're in a tough situation, if you are in an exciting situation, if you're in in a tough relationship or if you're in a beautiful one, whatever is going on in your life, that's not what defines you. What defines you is who you are in Christ. In Christ is central. We are God's holy ones who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So then we move on to verse 2. And verse 2 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in these first two verses, Paul identifies who he is, he identifies who his recipients are, and then he identifies God as the source of these two beautiful and wonderful, amazing gifts, grace and peace. And you can see that right in these first two verses, we are, it's all about identity. Who Paul is, who we are, who God is, and Christ is central in all of that. We have these gifts available through Christ. Our identity with Jesus is by grace. It wasn't something that we earned. It wasn't something that we deserve. It wasn't something that we initiated. It was by God's plan and by his choice. And we are recipients of this grace because of Jesus. Paul's blessing is that we would understand this grace and this peace, this grace that's made available free to us, Um, that's available abundantly through Jesus Christ and this peace that we can have with God and with each other. Throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about who we are without Jesus. We're broken, we're hurt, we're guilty, we're full of shame. And then he talks about who we are with Jesus. We're full of grace and peace. He wants us to know and understand the life the real life, the beauty, the freedom, um, and joy of being part of this life that's so bound up in, uh, with Jesus. I want to share with you a visual picture that's had a real impact on me since a friend of mine from an organization called Journey Canada. He shared this picture with me, and it's stuck with me that helps kind of understand this identity a little bit more. So all of us think of ourselves in a certain way. So this is us. And we might think of ourselves as um, 
as a, according to who we relate to. So our relationships might be how we define ourselves. So you're your spouse, you're a parent, you're a child, you're a sibling. It might be from our successes or failures. Uh, how good am I? Have I earned my identity? It might be um, through uh, any number of things like career. I'm a, a nurse. I'm a teacher. I'm a builder. I'm a uh, business owner. Uh, and a whole number of other things. You know, some of us might identify ourselves by our DNA or our fingerprints. Or, but often, one of these things will kind of take center. So, maybe it's career. Our career is kind of what, how we identify ourselves. A lot, a lot of times this comes up in conversation. We uh, are talking to each other, and then when we talk about what we do, that kind of feels like it defines who we are. So I'm a, a nurse, and that is what defines what it feels like. That is most of what we are. We have these other things, but that feels like most of what we are. And in the book of Ephesians, uh, one of the most important themes is that when we look to any one of these things to define who we are, we're on shaky ground. We're like waves tossed by the sea. However, God, as the source of every good gift, um, he has all power. He's offered us King Jesus. Now, Jesus is, the God, is God who became human. He lived a perfect life. He died the death we deserved, took that guilt and shame that we deserve, and conquered it in the grave. He rose again, and then God exalted him to the highest place, and he says, this king of everything in heaven and on earth can be king of your life. And when you make Jesus king of your life, what he does is he expands your view and understanding of who you are. And as your understanding of who you are gets bigger and bigger, these things become smaller and smaller. You understand how much bigger God is and how much bigger we are, and those things become little parts of who we are, but he is central. I love that image because it shows the centrality of Christ and how much more he has for us to uh, available because of who he is. One of the things I loved about, I love about Ephesians is that Paul spends so much time explaining who we are. Before he ever gets into what we should be doing, how we're to act, all that, it's who we are. So often we think of ourselves in the opposite way. We think what we do is who we are. And it's hard not to think that way. We look at someone and we see what they do and that helps us understand who they are. But Paul understands that what we do flows from who we believe we are. And we don't become God's children by doing anything. It's God's gracious gift. When we accept his gracious gift of Jesus Christ, he adopts us as his children. We become God's children who are loved, we belong, we're accepted, and we are his family. And being part of his family gives us everything we need to do what he wants us to do. We do 
from who we are. So only after helping us understand who we are because of God and what he did through Jesus does Paul tell us how to live in the chapters four through six. So as we begin to study Ephesians in the series we've titled Being Together, the invitation this morning is for you to ponder the question, who am I? What makes you you? Are you defining who you are by those things like career or your relationships or your successes or your failures, what's happened to you? Are those the things that are defining you? John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In Christ, we are children of God. The invitation is to let Jesus be king who who defines who you are so that your understanding of who you are can be so much greater than all these other things and that you can experience real life, his life, together. And together, we can be more. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you that you love us, that you've adopted us as as your children, that you uh, invite us into uh, a relationship with you and with each other that allows us to have, to understand that we are meant for so much more than we think we are. That because of what Jesus has done, he invites us to become a part of what he is doing in the world to bring all things together and we play a big part. And you just have so much more for us. Help us to understand what that means. Help us as we walk through Ephesians together and talk about who we are being together. In your name we pray, amen.